0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network in moments of stress it can feel like there's nowhere to turn the good news is you're not alone and there are resources to help support you health break a podcast by upmc health plan explores this topic with one of our employee assistance program managers who provides three tips for finding comfort and accessing support in moments of stress Listen now to learn how you can start managing your stress at upmchp.us slash healthbreakstress. That's upmchp.us slash healthbreakstress. It's the moment of the evening. Every k stay fan enjoys. Little down and pour a whiskey. Open the LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, boys. Come on, boys. Boom, the boys are back, and man oh man, do we have a lot to talk about? Getting ready for that final non-conference game of the year. New helmets. The return of the white pants. Game picks. All sorts of stuff. But we also have something equally as special. You hear that crack? That is the pumpkin batch From Manhattan Brewing Company, we have waited long enough. It's been staring me in the eyes every time I open my fridge door for a couple weeks now. I couldn't wait any longer. I actually had to pause the recording uh, to, to drink some of that because, oh my gosh, it is so good. A perfect, perfect, refreshing just ale with the perfect just kiss of pumpkin, the pumpkin batch pumpkin beer from Manhattan Brewing Company, and I, I, I'm not just saying this is easily one of the top five pumpkin beers I've had. And according to my Untapped app, I've had over a hundred different pumpkin beers. This is 100 without a doubt a top five pumpkin beer. Next time you're in Manhattan, get in there because they only they don't have just the pumpkin beer. They don't have just these super delicious triple IPAs. They have something for everyone. They have what I'm calling the tailgate starter pack with their Kolsch, their wheat, and their pills. They have something for everyone. Next time you're in Manhattan, grab a couple pints. Grab a couple four packs, and you'll be the most popular person at your tailgate. If you're listening to this on release day, on Thursday... Downtown Manhattan's having their Oktoberfest celebration, so they're going to close down the streets so you can get a couple pints, walk around, shop, be part of it. They're tapping their fest beer, which is a classic Oktoberfest style. So get down there. Don't miss out. I promise you're going to thank me later. Manhattan Brewing Company seriously has the tastiest, freshest, and best variety beer in the entire state. And I think region as well. So check them out today. Send me a snap. Send a picture from the Manhattan Brewing Company tap room. And once we get koozies back in stock, I will send them to you. All right, let's get into it. Um, before we talk about uh, Chris Clyman's press conference, I mean, it's the most on-brand thing for the show since the inception of the show. The news dropped uh, before we recorded the Q&A yesterday. There was going to be a new helmet. Or they were teasing new uniform combination. And I had heard it was going to be a helmet. And then we're also getting the return of the white pants. The white pants with the two purple stripes up the side with the Powercat logo on the hip. Uh, just the, an, a little color uh, flip from the traditional gray pants. Traditional purple home uh, with white stripe, silver accents, and white numbers, Powercat on the V-neck, white helmet, gray face mask, and then, you know, I, a, a, a logo combination I absolutely love. You have the old uh, flag Willie, the Tom and Jerry Willie, the Alumni Association Willie logo, whatever you want to call it, on one side. Now on the other side, you have the player's number. And then on the back, you have the big red one decal, uh, big 12 logo, uh, the traditional warning sticker, but that's in the state of Kansas, a little state of Kansas sticker on that as well for the warning sticker. I think it is an amazing, amazing look. Absolutely amazing. I'm giving it an eight and a half out of 10. The tom and jerry willie the flag willie whatever you want to call that logo isn't one of my favorites if you're making me power rank new logos that i would like to see on the helmet that probably wouldn't be up there but every time i see a picture of it i i I change my mind because it brings a lot of classic elements that i like to see he has the varsity k sweater on he has the state pennant um it is a while not an official like not a throwback because we've never worn that logo on helmet ever this is the first time we've had a brand new logo on a helmet since the power cat was introduced so it's kind of a big deal folks uh so I, i i i every time i see it it grows on me i i think it it brings everything i want in kind of an alternate helmet look knowing that we're never going to go too crazy now this is where there's been some controversy on Twitter, on message boards. On the other side, it's not a flipped image of the cat. It's the player's numbers. I've said on this show a ton that if you're going to go mismatch helmet sides, I want a logo and a number. I don't want two different logos. And some folks are saying, well, why wouldn't you just have the Willie logo on the other side? If you if you look at this Willie logo and if you know the history of this logo and if you dive into its uses, it can't be flipped. It's an unsymmetrical logo. It would not work flipped going the other way. It would not work. I understand some folks are like, Scott, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's impossible to talk through on an audio platform, but I promise you, that is not a logo that you can flip and have on both sides of the helmet. This was the perfect decision... If you're going to use the Tom and Jerry, the Flag Willie, the Alumni Association Willie logo. And the number actually has like a small little silver outline on the decal as well. So I really like it. A lot of folks are also saying, oh, is it a black decal? You know, are the logos black? No, I, I understand why folks are saying that the lighting in the cameras and the pictures are they're using along with the white helmet Makes it look super dark. The number is all that super dark purple. We talked about this when we wore the white helmets with the script cats and the white helmet with the power cats back in 2019. It just looks super dark because it's a dark decal and it's on a white helmet. So it looks even darker than when it's on the silver. Looks to me like the Tom and Jerry, the Wildcat, the the Flag Willie logo, his fur is black The Varsity K is that dark purple and the pennant is the dark purple. I think you're going to be able to see the purple show up a little bit better out on the field in the natural daylight on TV and all that type of stuff. I will say it does really accentuate the different shades of the purple jersey and the purple on the decals. Whether it's the silver helmet, whether it's the white helmet altogether. I don't particularly like it, but it's fine. Um, So, yeah, I, I think it's a fire helmet. I think it's absolutely awesome. The other thing some folks are talking about is, oh, the gray face mask. I don't like the gray. Here's the thing. When you're wearing the standard purple jerseys and the white pants, the white britches, you have to have that gray face mask because of the gray and silver detailing on the jersey stripes. Without that gray face mask, it would not work. It would would ruin the jersey. It would make it a bad jersey. So you need to keep that gray face mask if you're never going to change the jersey. So that's jersey talk. I know some of you, uniform talk, and really it's uh, mainly just helmet talk. I know some of you guys don't like that. Some of you guys don't ever want to change your uniforms. And some of you are like, I don't care. This is football, not fashion. Well, I love it. I love seeing new helmets. This is the first time in my. This is only the second time. This is going to be only the second football game in my life where K State is going to be wearing a different helmet decal. And as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I've only seen them wear a different helmet decal like four times, maybe eight times. I can't, or like just a handful of times that one season when they were doing the. Uh, anniversary of the AFL where they use the Dallas Texans logo, and that's gross when when you're the Kansas City Chiefs hated them wearing a state of Texas logo on their helmet. That was gross. So I'm over the moon. Uh, only the, this is of my two teams of, of the Kansas City Chiefs and the K- State Wildcats, the two football teams I cheer for. Up until this game, I've only seen them wear four decals. This is only the fifth one, and it's been less than 10 games. I'm 30. I'm 30. These two teams have combined to play close to, you know, 800 games in my life. In less than 10 of them, have they had different decals, different helmets? So I'm pumped. I, I am pumped to see it. I can't wait to get into the stadium on Saturday, I know some folks are like, oh, there's a curse. There's a curse. We never win when we wear the white helmets, blah, 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 blah. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that. Now, if we lose at Tulane, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it, oh, man. The, the meltdown and the talk about the uniforms is going to be insane. It's going to be insane. But we're not going to lose. We're not going to lose. I hope. No, we, we don't. Well, all right. Let's get into Chris Kleiman's press conference. Uh, He he had a lot of praise. He was he he's been in a great mood all year long for these midweek press conferences. Um, It started back in the summer because we we got him twice back in the summer, and now every uh, Tuesday at twelve thirty on ESPN Plus during the football season, absolute great mood. He said he was so pleased and proud of the guys and how they. Kept that focus and effort. They stayed engaged through the entire uh, rain delay. Uh, you know the shrinking of the warm ups. He, he he was he was just very praiseful. He was giving out a lot of praise uh, for them dealing with the tough environment with the weather on Saturday. Uh, he did he was critical a little bit of the offense, saying that they really need to capitalize on those short fields, which is something I think we all agree on. He was asked about how he planned for these rain delays. He said on Friday they went through an entire uh, plan in how he would deal with it. Talked about how he wanted to have different nutrition ready. He wanted to have different treatments ready. Get them into the weight room and be stretching out on the turf. Just kind of use the entire football facility and get them out of the locker room. Said that's one of the pluses of having one of these delays while you are at home uh and and, and i i i am I'm, I'm happy about it i mean it resulted in a nice little ass kicking of missouri when asked about you know the old adage there's the most improvement from week one to week two he said that you couldn't really get a true idea of how much they improved from week one to week two Due to all the weather, due to it taking away all sorts of stuff, so I'm I'm hoping personally, hey, hoping we get to see a bunch of that improvement now. Uh, playing Tulane, uh, he 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 was critical because he 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 pointed out mistakes on all three levels of uh, the game on offense, defense, and special teams, and I think that having two blowout wins, relatively low effort wins, being able to specifically point to a couple things on each side of the ball, plus special teams. I think that's what drives football coaches. And I think, you know, Adrian Martinez has said this a couple times about being able to learn big lessons while still winning games. So I think they've really been hammering that home. Um, When asked about the passing game on offense, he said due to the weather, they couldn't get into a lot of the passing game on Coach Klein's card, which we, we, we talked about a lot in that game review and in the uh, Q&A and, and I'm going to say this that There were some comments on Twitter saying "Oh, Don't show too much of the passing game uh, And let, let Oklahoma see it, all that type of stuff I, I disagree We've been in two situations Where we haven't been able to Get into the t- sort of passing Game that we want to have That we want to use week in Week out I don't want to just be like oh, nope, Let's just run the ball 40 times and get out of Tulane With a win I think you have to treat this game like you would treat just about any other game on the schedule because you have kind of seen the adversity last week with the weather and when you got up so big early in game one, we haven't been able to get into the true passing cards in Coach Klein's uh, playbook. So I want to move forward with that. He did say when talking about what the defense needs to improve on, he did call out the defense. He said that they got beat a couple times and Missouri just didn't convert on those plays. That's that that that's been talked about on Twitter, been talked about on message boards. I understand that. Uh, again, you, you don't want to be getting beat deep because eventually like Oklahoma or even Texas Tech, Texas, these big 12 teams are going to convert some of those big plays. So if you don't get on top of that, especially in this Tulane game, I mean, you got to expect the worst when it comes to possibly getting beat deep a couple times versus Oklahoma next week. So uh, that's something I'm really going to have my eye on. Something else is he really said that K-State needs to focus on the RPO game from Tulane. says that's a major part of their uh, offense, and they have a quarterback who can really throw it around as well. I think that this actually might be the biggest offensive test that the defense has faced so far. And that maybe isn't a high bar to clear, um, because despite what Blair Kirkhoff of the Kansas City Star wants you to think, um, there was nothing on that Missouri team that really created a massive play-in, play-out challenge for a K-State, and we dominated South Dakota. So getting that test, getting these RPO looks from Tulane, playing against a FBS quarterback who has career over 5,000 yards, being able to go up against some speedy guys on the outside, I think is going to be a good challenge for this team. Coach Kleiman also said it's, it's a little tough to prepare for this year's version of Tulane because they've had two blowouts themselves. Granted, they, they played UMass. And I think another FCS team, and both teams are just horrible. I'm not losing sleep over seeing Tulane put up big numbers against those two teams. Um, I'm not too worried about it uh, at at all. I think they actually comp pretty close on some of the advanced metrics to Missouri. So again, it's going to be another game uh, that if you don't play your A game, Tulane is capable of beating you. But I don't look at their scores and be like, oh man, we're in trouble. That, that's not where I'm at. Uh, Coach Klyman was asked, you know, what sort of history does he know Willie Fritz? Reference that they do know each other from uh, the, their, both their times in FCS. Coach Kleiman, of course, at North, North Dakota State to uh, Willie Fritz at Sam Houston. Coach Klyman also specifically mentioned that one of his very good friends is the athletics director at Tulane. So there is a little bit of synergy. There is a little bit of crossover between these two schools, these two athletic departments. And I think that is going to be, you know, a little a, a little bit something uh, for Chris Klyman to enjoy, especially if he wins. You know, get, getting one over on, uh, on your buddy and athletic director, that would be nice. Uh, so it, it is always interesting to hear how some of these longtime coaches know each other. He said that they cross over uh, at coaching clinics, sometimes in the state of Kansas, because Willie Fritz has some roots back here in the state of Kansas. So it, it is fun to kind of hear those stories. Chris Kleiman also gave praise to his team talking about explosive plays. He said that K-State was 9-2 to in explosive plays versus Missouri. And when you couple that up with a big offensive play as well, those are going to be keys to success every single week. You know, Chris Klein. If he's doing his keys to V, he's probably saying, "Hey, look! If we get one big play on special teams, we limit their explosive plays, and we have a lot of our own. Those are going to give you wins." Uh, so, hell, I'll sign up to nine nine to two on explosive plays every single game rest of the season. He gave a lot of praise to uh, you know the center Gilliam in or Gilliam and said that. Gilly is just a happy guy. He says it doesn't matter whether he's sitting in the corner during a special teams talk, whether they're lifting, whether they're out there practice. He brings that positive energy so that he's a guy who had to work for everything that he has. Just a guy who loves football and loves this team. That's the type of guy you want at center. You know, you have to have a little bit of a mean streak at in you, but having a guy who truly just loves his team and loves playing football, those are some of the characteristics you want to see Out of a guy playing center. So I like to see that. Uh, He said Sean Robinson and Will Honus are close to getting back on the football field. I'm going to say this. I don't know about Will Honus. I, I, I don't know about Will Honus. I think when his injury occurred in fall camp, I think they were targeting that Oklahoma game for him to come back. So it could be next week. I'm not holding my breath that we ever get to see Sean Robinson play this year. Now he, he could be back on the depth chart and he could be starting versus Oklahoma and it would shock me. It would surprise me, but, but I'm not saying it's out of the question. Um, I'm just to the point and I, I, I've heard some things and and it's nothing that I could share on this podcast. And I apologize for being that guy. Um, but 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 I think that there's a better chance than not we don't see Sean Robinson this season. And and it's a shame because again there were such high hopes for him and what he was going to be able to bring at that SAM linebacker spot. Again, he became a favorite of the boneheads during the bonehead predictions episode. I just I just don't know if we're going to see it. And I think this is the final year of his career. I don't think I don't think there's an avenue for him to come back next year. I could be wrong. The NCAA gives waivers out to everyone, but um, I'm hoping I, w- I would like to see him. I'm not counting on it. On that same position group, though, the Sam linebacker coach climbing had a lot of praise and talked up Khalid Duke, and talked about how every single game he is getting more confident playing that outside linebacker spot. He said he's healthy. He's still getting into game shape, but he's still learning the position. Every game rep, he is still learning that linebacker spot. And he's getting confidence from quarter to quarter. And this is the dangerous thing for other teams. If Khalid Duke can get fully comfortable playing that Sam outside linebacker spot, he is an absolute maniac. He has the drive. He has the ability to perform at an all-Big 12 level. And on a team that has guys like Felix and Udike Uzama, Daniel Green, Julius Brents, guys that were on the preseason all-Big 12 level, guys like Ec- Echo Boido, who up until this point is taking away an entire side, side of the field, Eli Huggins, who's been playing great nonstop, a guy like Nate Matlack, who has who, who is a young athlete who has that drive. You have all these safeties, you have all these guys out on the field, so many of them capable of playing at an all Big 12 level. And as I talked about during the QA show yesterday, over the last eight plus games, this team on defense on a points per drive basis. It's performing at a truly elite level, comparable to the second-best defense in all of college football last year, in the last eight-plus games. I, I might have said quarters, but last eight-plus games. They are truly on an elite run the last eight-plus games. So if you get Khalid Duke, a guy who used to be seen as the superstar of this defense, back to the point where he is comfortable playing Sam Linebacker, watch out. Absolutely watch out. Now, I I don't ever want to see him out there in, you know, third and eight plus. I like that they've been bringing VJ Payne in and shifting Josh Hayes down to that Sam Linebacker. But on most game situations... I think Khalid Duke has exceeded my expectations of him playing linebacker. A lot of praise for Ty Zentner. And again, I think think he's a very good punter. I I think he definitely had a shout to be one of the top punters of the week. I think the Ray Guy punter of the week award he was up for. And he deserved it. The guy has a leg and he has some touch on it. And, And I think just having a guy who you feel confident in that if you're inside your own 20 that he can flip the field. If you're punting inside, you know, in opponent's territory, which I don't love doing, and we don't do it as often. I think we've been going we're going to continue to go for it on fourth down uh quite a bit. But if you're in a situation where you need to finesse the punt, he's able to do that as well. He's a great kickoff guy. So I think he deserves all the praise that he's getting. Uh, DJ Giddens was brought up And he said, Coach Clemson said He's going to be a huge factor all season But when you have someone who is your guy And he's one of the best in the country He's going to get a lot of touches Again, I think K-State fans And I, I, I fall into this as well Because I've been singing DJ Giddens praise All All offseason Through the first two weeks Because he's a big play waiting to happen When you have an All-American When you have a Heisman contender in Deuce Vaughn At running back, you you don't want to be cutting into his production just for the hell of it, just for shits and giggles. Unless Deuce Vaughn needs to come out, like he's a little bit winded, he needs to get his breath back, getting a shoulder checked or something like that, I don't want him coming off the field. And I love DJ Giddens. And he's more than capable of, if Deuce Vaughn needs a blow, you don't have to take anything out of your running playbook. It does look like sometimes Adrian Martinez is having to tell him what to do, but you know, he's capable. Last week we saw Josh Hayes, his first you know, run of game or first run of place for us. He didn't play in that opener. I thought he looked great. I think he he either got a game ball or he was a nominee for a game ball. He has 40 plus games of college football experience and That is going to be a massive part of the defense moving forward. I enjoyed watching him play. And I think, especially as a safety in one of these RPO-type games, he is going to have to be assignment sound. Because when you're going up against a team who is going to be RPO-heavy, especially those linebackers and safeties, they have to be assignment sound. Because if you get caught out of position... either going to be a chunk play or a home run you fall asleep once that's a big play so when you're playing a team like Tulane it is going to be a high pressure high anxiety type game on the safeties and linebackers and he's he's going to have to be ready I think he will be but we, we we've seen how aggressive he plays and we've seen how aggressive the entire team plays so I'm glad we're getting a, a test with a team who is their, one of their primary offensive plays or different options, different read options that are going to truly test the aggressiveness and assignment sound ability by this football team. A lot of talk about the interior defensive line, talking about how D. hence allows Eli to stay fresh. And if Eli's able to be fresh, Huggins It's going to pay dividends for the guys playing defensive end. And and I totally agree. We saw Eli Huggins play the predominant amount of snaps at nose guard last year. The guy he split time with? Timmy Horn, who's on the Atlanta Falcons 53-man roster. NFL player, Timmy Horn. So I think there was a fair amount of talk that week after Timmy Horn made an NFL roster and be like, oh shit. How important is Hence going to be moving forward for this team? And can he do it? Well, I think he's played very well through for, through two games. But he's going to need to keep his conditioning up. He's going to need to keep that intensity up to go the next 10 if we want to achieve what we want. Because where there have been some spots on the team where I think we rotate too much, I think one of the spots you have to continually line change in and out is that interior defensive line, especially when we're only playing with a nose guard and a head up or one technique because that guy's going to be double teamed almost every single play. Speaking of nose tackles, Uso. How about Uso, man? Uh, He went crazy last week trying to block a punt all on his own. He was actually doing some media today Great story, kid out of Garden City Community College. He's still learning how to play, but he moves around out there, man. He does not stay blocked. And that's going to be another factor, again, versus Tulane and in Big 12 play. Because if you then have a third guy you trust in those high, you know, high leverage situations, that's massive. Especially because, again, nose guard, those guys... Not often are you going to make it through the entire season completely healthy on your two deep with those guys. So before it's all said and done, Uso is going to play a massive part in a few games, I'm sure about that. Brandon Mott got put on scholarship over the summer, and I was a little hesitant seeing him on the two deep, but he's had a big play in both of the games so far. Got a sack, got a tackle for a loss. Coach Kleiman, a lot of love for him, a lot of praise for him. Uh, said that he's earned everything he's gotten here at K-State. One of the defensive players of the game, Austin Moore, the machine. The machine. Coach Coleman talked about how his freshman year, he could have been named scout team player of the year every single week. Great drive. And then every time he's been met with a little bit of uh, a challenge from the coaching staff. You know, He had to back up Fletcher, who is playing 90% of the plays. He even got pulled off special teams at one point last year, and he had to work his way to get back into those units. And Coach Kahneman talked about how he wants 20 different Austin Moores on the team. And that really is, again, I I talk about wanting to get away from the walk-on-you narrative, but having guys like Austin Moore, having guys like Brandon Mott, that is a need for a healthy college football program. Now, I hope instead of those guys pushing fellow walk-ons, they are pushing scholarship players. And that's what they're doing now. That is the difference between K-State football in 2022 versus K-State football in 2017-2018 and even 2019 when Coach Kleiman showed up. Another thing, and I think it might have been, I don't remember who asked, but hey, what, what, what sort of different... Stuff are you guys doing on offense and defense this year And Chris Common just laughed and said Yeah, I'm not going to tell you guys That's something for you guys to figure out Or other teams to figure out And said that if you're just kind of watching from afar Watching a game here or there You may not think there's much difference Going on on defense or offense this year Compared to last But he said that they're doing a ton of different stuff On offense and defense And it's only going to continue to expand Throughout the season So that might be kind of a wink and a nod to the folks saying that we were too vanilla in those first two games. When talked about not wanting to peek ahead versus Oklahoma, Chris Skyman said that Tulane is too good of a team to do that, but he doesn't worry about it because it's the seniors, not him, that were saying, it's all about us. It's about our preparation, not who we're playing. They came to him and said, hey, you don't need to tell us about South Dakota We can talk to the team. Hey, you don't need to talk to us about Tulane. We can talk to the team. You know, they're not going to look past the Coyotes towards the Tigers or past the Green Wave towards the Sooners. And I love hearing that. You know, the fans, we're all talking about on Twitter, oh, hey, you know, what section are you sitting in in Norman? Who's driving down there? What hotel are you staying at in Oklahoma City? But I don't have any worry about the team doing that type of stuff. Sounds like this team, and especially the C, the upper class leadership, I should say, because again, you got guys like Felix, guys like Duke, guys like Cooper Beebe, who I think are three of the biggest leaders on the team. They're all juniors, even though this probably is going to be all three of their last seasons at K-State. But I love hearing that type of stuff. Absolutely love hearing that he doesn't need to preach it anymore. I remember early on in Chris Kleiman's tenure saying, hey, look, guys. I came from an FCS school that constantly beat Power 5 teams. I actually think North Dakota State is favored versus Arizona this upcoming week. I think they're like six-point favorites going on the road down to Arizona. I could have that wrong. I've been wrong before. But I, I think that's accurate. And he used to preach that. And I, and I recall 2019 and even last year, hey, you got to watch out for nickels. They're capable of getting you. Hey, you got to watch out for, was it Missouri State last year? Now I'm blanking. No, it was, it was Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois last year. Hey, you got to watch out for these guys. They can get you. And hell, they almost did last year. Skyler going down has more to do with that than anything. But And he preached that. He even preached that to the fans and to the media. I love hearing that it's the players doing it now. They're the ones who are taking that over. And, and I think that we're finally at the point where this culture, even though there are still guys who are part of or recruited by Bill Snyder and his staff, I think this is 100% finally, and it was probably like this last year, but without a doubt, this is a Chris Kleiman 100% top-to-bottom ball team. And I think that culture has finally just sunken in, and that is in their blood now. And I think that is a great thing. Just a couple more things. Uh, Chris Clotman said he didn't know that the uh, uniform stuff was going to get teased on social media. Said that Al Serbi, the equipment manager, he's been waiting on kind of getting, now that we know, the, the white pants in and had the idea for the helmet decals. Uh, says it leaves it up to them, to him, but they do have conversations. Uh, one more thing uh, before the one of the biggest headlines from the press conference – A lot of praise for Topeka Cat. Desmond Purnell said that he has such a huge impact on special teams and will continue to do so all season. He's an unselfish kid. Talked about how he was one of the key players to get that punt block in that first week and one of the key players on the punt return for a touchdown last week versus Missouri. So I'd say keep an eye on Desmond Purnell, Des Purnell, out there, especially when the opponents are punting. Final thing, Tim Fitzgerald of Go Powercat asked, and it's funny because all three Big 12 coaches being connected to the Nebraska coaching search were asked today about it. I think Chris Kleiman gave the best answer. He says he loves being at K-State. He doesn't know what's going on up at Nebraska, inside or outside the football program. Said that Scott Frost is a friend of his uh, and and said that he loves being at K-State. And if anyone questions that, he has one name for him and it's Gene Taylor. And then he goes, Gene Taylor's my guy. Well, first off, Gene Taylor is my guy. He is Bosco's voice, guys. He is the Boneheads guy. So, Chris Kleinman, you're going to have to share Gene with all of us. But I think that's a perfect point. I talked about it yesterday during the Q&A episode where never say never. And I'm not going to tell folks not to be concerned because we're going to hear Chris Kleinman's name every single week from now until Nebraska hires a coach as a guy being connected to the job. But Gene Taylor... In the atmosphere around the K-State football program and how K-State fans and K-State athletics allows Chris Kleiman to operate is the biggest plus for K-State possible. So I'm going to say this, and I'm going to leave it at that that until any sort of big rumors pop up, or if he keeps getting asked about it, I'll I'll keep talking about it. But I have zero concern. If you want to have concern, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you what emotions to have or not to have. But I am officially at a zero concern about Chris Kleiman leaving. And I'll let you know if that changes. You guys know me. I'll I'll, uh, spaz out if I need to. All right, now I'm going to talk about what I'm going to be looking for and what this game means to me. Specifically, things I'm going to be looking for is to, and this goes into one of the keys to V I'm going to talk about later, but just clearing up all the mistakes that we have made over the last few games. I think we've had a few too many penalties for my liking. Again, not egregious. We haven't had a game where it's been egregious penalties. But a little bit more than I'd like. And we, we, we know the kicking game. We know the kind of lack of deep passing game. I'm just going to be looking to see this stuff kind of clean up. Tulane is good enough where you can't treat this like a preseason game, but you would like to have some of this stuff fixed and taken care of before you go down to Norman, Oklahoma. Seven p.m. game at Gaylord Memorial Family St- or Memorial Stadium, Gaylord Memorial Stadium, I think. Yeah, down in Oklahoma, a night game, seven p.m. on Big Boy Fox. You want to have that all cleared up. You can't be going into that game with a lot of questions. So I'm looking for this game to solve any lingering questions that I have. I'm also going to be laser-focused on KT Levenson. Again, it, it wasn't a failing grade versus Missouri. It was not a failing grade. But I came away a little bit more bearish on KT than I came out of the South Dakota game. Now, it was an increase in... Talent that he was going up against. The opponent was better. But I think Tulane's going to be ballpark around the same thing as Missouri. Now, Oklahoma's going to be the biggest t- test he's, he's faced. But also, we're going to be far and away Oklahoma's best test that they've faced. They've had two absolute sleepwalks. And now they're going to be playing a Nebraska team that has mailed it in already. So it's going to go both ways when we play Oklahoma. But I'm really going to be dialed in on KT Lev. And and, and you know, I, I I don't want to see us get beat deep again. I, I I'm I'm sort of bleeding into what you guys are going to hear my keys to V are. But I like the aggressive part of the defense. But something you didn't have to worry about back during the. Bend but don't break days. And he, even then, we, we, we hear that phrase used, even with this defense, although we play far more aggressive. You, you very rarely had to worry about someone getting behind you. You know, the, the game plan we used to have really looked a lot like South Dakota. And it was keep everything in front of you, buck up when you get to the red zone, and try to force a turnover. Now in the Chris Kleiman era, we're ears pinned back, we're going after you, and we're coming with a vengeance. Going up against a RPO-type team, a team that's going to run a lot of raid option, a team that's going to toss the ball around a lot, that could be used against us. And while Tulane went 2-10 and 10 last year, and again, I understand Willie Fritz is a Kansas guy. Everyone's trying to call him a winner. He is a losing coach at Tulane. He has a losing record at Tulane. He only has a 33% winning percentage in the American Conference since he came to Tulane. They're good enough to beat us if we're looking past them. They're good enough to beat us if we trot out our D-plus type game. But let's not make them out to be LSU. Let's not make them out to be, you know, Alabama, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. They are not at that level. And Willie Fritz will never have Tulane up at that level. Again, all the respect in the world to him. But let's kind of save the pandering because Willie Fritz is a Kansas guy. Just save it a little bit. They're just dangerous enough. But we should take care of them. Now, if we don't, if we're getting burnt on some of these big plays, I'm going to be driving down to Oklahoma City to my hotel on Friday. And I'm going to be wishing that I would have gotten a refundable room. And I will be dreading the game on Saturday because I am a nervous Nelly and I ride the roller coasters of emotion. So I hope we don't see that. Now what this game means, again, it's the buildup for the conference play. As long as you come out with a win, everything's going to be fine. But if you want to have that momentum, if you want to... Get into the top 25 before you play Oklahoma. If you want all eyes on Norman, Oklahoma at 7 p.m. next Saturday night, you need to win this game with some swagger. You need to cover this 15-and-a-half-point spread. You need to probably blow them out. If you want this momentum to capitalize... If you want you know, all these recruits in the region to be looking and saying, well, shit, K-State really is the big dog in the region now, as Iowa can't score a touchdown. Iowa State's struggling to score themselves. Nebraska's firing their coach. We're clown-suiting Mizzou, and yeah, it's a cute story, KU, but you're still KU. Colorado in shambles. If you want to walk around like a big dog, you have to bite, not bark. And that's what we need to do versus Tulane. And also to get this stupid white helmet alternate uniform curse and all this shit. Just kill it off. I mean, because I can't imagine the anti-uniform crowd if we were to lose this game. So that's what's on the line there. Can't have it. But it's going to be a fun one. Guys, I am pumped to get back into Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Also, again, it's going to be close to another sellout. If you want to keep this momentum, selling tickets, keeping the atmosphere fun, you got to take care of business. You blow out to Lane, then all of a sudden, that Texas Tech game, which, again, lots of tickets for sale. Lots of tickets for sale for that Texas Tech game. But if you want to maybe get another 50,000 seat, start the season with four straight 50,000 plus, you'd probably do well blowing out Tulane. Now beating Oklahoma next week will do more, but hey, blowing out Tulane wouldn't hurt. Let's get to the keys to be from our friends over at Charlie Hustle, folks. If you want the coolest script Saturday shirt, they have it also in a lightweight hoodie. If you want the deuce is loose youth-size t-shirt. If you want all the best officially licensed K-State gear, it's the most comfortable. They got the joggers, they got the crew necks, they got the hoodies, they got the t-shirts. So comfortable. So stylish. Go check out Charlie Hustle. Again, if you want a little something purple on Saturday, red on Saturday. Friday or on, on Sunday or Thursday classic Kansas City hearts Kansas City landmark and it's a Kansas City a local Kansas City company check them out today all right Keith to v, the first one coming from chef Andre Napier red zone efficiency on defense limit to lane to field goals in the red zone and score touchdowns when on offense that is a Bosco's boys classic We have been pretty damn good on defense. Again, it was a garbage time touchdown. Even then, we held them out in the red zone with our third team guys going against their starters late in that game. Should have gotten out without any score, but hey, it happens. That's a big one. And then really, it comes down to our offense because our offense... I mean, has not been perfect in the red zone. Now, I've found out when diving into advanced analytics, looking into red zone efficiency numbers, that I'm probably holding K-State to a standard far too high. But I think when you have a running game like you do with Deuce Vaughn, when you have a quarterback whose legs are as dangerous as Adrian Martinez. When you have weapons like Philip Brooks and Malik Knowles, whether it is in the short passing game or jet sweeps, end arounds, that type of stuff, in an offensive line at the caliber we do, we need to be punching it in when we get to the red zone. So that is a classic from The Good Chef. My first one, and I reference it, kind of exercise those demons. Clean up some of the ugliness. Have a game where you're clean kicking the ball. Have a game where you get the passing game going a little bit. And again, I understand in theory what folks are trying to say. Oh, you've been able to blow out two teams without giving too much away passing. Why do it now? I I, under, I understand the point of view. I do. But Oklahoma... They're not going to be surprised when we when we break out a passing play. And I'm not saying you have to give away every single best, you know, deep yardage situation play or anything like that. I'm just saying run the basic route trees. Run the bat basic pass pro protection. Go through the progressions. Find the long bomb a couple times. Again, I'm not saying you have to give everything away. But I just want to see a little bit, just a little bit to get me a little bit more confident in passes that are going to go longer than 8 to 12 yards down the field. That's all I ask. The next one coming from Bob Trollsby. No sleepwalking when it, and, and, uh, when it comes to this game. Come with the same ferocity that you had the last two weeks. I agree with this. I love this because if you're bought in, if you're playing with the aggression, if you have the swagger... That means you're bought in. You're not looking past this team. Because I don't think this team is capable of fake vibrato. Again, they talked enough shit on Missouri post-game about, man, these guys trash-talking down 40-6 to with three seconds left. I don't think they have it in them to fake the swagger, fake the confidence. If, if you see them coming out there in those new helmets and in the white pants kind of lollygagging through warmups, you know, not... not you know, getting ready to run through a wall on kickoff coverage or anything like that, then I'm going to be a little worried. I don't think we're going to have to worry about that. But again, I agree with Bob. If you're bringing that intensity, I don't think there. I, I, I don't think this is going to be a loss. The final one for me is don't let the RPOs beat you. This has been the thing I keep coming back to, and it's not just the RPOs, but just a straight-up regular read option. This is a quarterback who, again, has over 5,000 career yards. Skilled guys who are good enough to burn you if you're sleepwalking. Good enough to beat you if you aren't playing assignment sound. This is going to be a, the perfect game to really run your defense through the mental chess game side of the game of football, before he gets to conference play. So don't let that beat you. So again, the keys to V. Red zone efficiency on both offense and defense. Work out the kinks and exercise the demons in the kicking game and passing game. No sleepwalking, come with some swagger, and don't let the RPOs beat you. All right, we're going to wrap up with our game predictions. We got 15 games, and so this is brought to you by the 10-12 Network. That's right. Bosco's Voice is now part of the best Big 12 podcasting network in the world, because 1012 Network is now partnered with Sports Drink. There's all sorts of great individual team shows that you're going to hear a lot from all football, basketball season, next offseason long, and the flagship show that I have been on a handful of times, the 1012 Pod with Philip. My dude is Philip. Love Philip. He's my dude. So check out the 1012network.com today. Check out all the great shows. All right. Last week, both the Boneheads and I went ten and five. Lots of upsets last week. I'm still one game ahead of the Boneheads. I'm twenty four and six. The Boneheads twenty three and seven. Let's get into it. The first game: Oklahoma at Nebraska. It's the big noon kickoff game on Fox at eleven a.m. Boneheads, Oklahoma ninety four percent. I agree with them. Texas State going to Baylor eleven a.m. Fox Sports one. This is going to be a snoozer. Baylor. 96% I agree with the Boneheads Townsend at West Virginia <laughs> The Mountaineers are going to get their first win Neil Brown If you don't blow them out you, you might as well start packing up now That's on ESPN Plus at noon Ohio at Iowa State ESPN Plus 1pm Boneheads of Iowa State only 84% Maybe a little bit of El Asico Hangover maybe? question mark. KU at Houston 3pm on ESPNU the Boneheads have Houston 86%. I also have Houston. Uh, KU, I mean, good for KU. They, they have a little bit of swagger. They're walking around with their chest out. Uh, I'll say this. If they don't beat Houston, which I don't think they're going to, they might not be favorites rest of the way. If they get blown out by Houston down at Houston, I don't think they're going to be favorites versus Duke at home. And I don't think if and if they lose to Duke, There's no way they're going to be a favorite rest of the Big 12 season. Now, I picked KU to go over two and a half wins. So I need one more win to cash that ticket. And I think it has to be Duke. Because some of the more winnable games, Big 12 play, I think are on the road. I think they have to go two TCU and two Lubbock. Someone uh, tweet at me if I'm wrong on that, but... I don't know. We'll see. I, I think there's a better chance KU ends two and ten than being five and seven. But we'll see what happens there. Arkansas Pine Bluff going to Oklahoma State six p.m. ESPN Plus. Boneheads have Oklahoma State ninety eight percent again. I agree. The Big Twelve game of the week six p.m. on ESPN two, and this is the closest bonehead poll we've ever had. Texas Tech won this by one singular vote. It was basically 50-50. It was one vote that tilted this Texas Tech's way. So they're riding with the Raiders. This is the Big 12 game of the week. I'm going with NC State. I think the Wolfpack get it done at home 6 p.m. on ESPN2. Our friends, the UTSA Roadrunners, are going to Texas 7 p.m. on the Longhorn Network. The Boneheads only have Texas 55%. Boneheads have a possible letdown look-ahead spot for Texas coming after that emotional one-point loss moral victory for at-home versus Alabama. I would love it if UTSA won that. I would absolutely love it. BYU at Oregon. The Boneheads have BYU 84%. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right. Boneheads, 84%. Oh, 64%. I had it written down wrong in my outline. 64%. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. I'm going with Oregon, though. I I am going with the Ducks at home. I've not been impressed by Oregon. BYU, not a great kicking uh, game. Coming off of a long overtime, going on the road. I don't know if in my heart I truly believe this, but I'm trying to be a little bit different. So I'm I'm going with Oregon. Uh, Penn State at Auburn, 230. CBS Bonehead's going with Penn State, 65%. I am too. I don't think Auburn's very good. I don't think Penn State's especially good, but I think they're better than Auburn, even going to the Plains down in Auburn, Alabama. All right, uh, Michigan State at Washington. This is back-to-back Power 5 road picks by the Boneheads. 76% for Michigan State. I'm also going with Michigan State. That's on ABC, 6.30 p.m. Miami, Florida going to Texas A&M, 8 p.m. on ESPN. The Boneheads have Miami, 63%. I have Texas A&M bouncing back. Uh, I think they're too talented to lose back-to-back home games, even though Miami is, I think, ranked in the top 15 right now. They struggled last week as well, so I, I have I have uh, the twelfth man in Texas A and M figuring it out. The ESPN College Game Day game of the week: Troy at Appalachian State, two thirty on ESPN Plus. Boneheads have Appalachian State ninety percent. I too have the Mountaineers of App State. Troy one and one. Appalachian State one and one. ESPN Plus two thirty. UCF at Florida Atlantic six thirty p.m. CBS Sports Network. Boneheads, big. UCF, 91%. I have them as well, but I'm never wagering my good, hard-earned money on UCF ever again after that performance they had versus Louisville. Wolf City, USA, but they have enough to beat Florida lane And finally, 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus, The Boneheads are picking the Kansas State fighting, fighting Kansas State Wildcats. 98% versus Tulane. I obviously have the Cats. I do think this is going to end up being... A nice, relatively easy win. I got K-State 34 to lane 13. K-State 34 to lane 13. Alright, that's all we have. Again, check out Charlie Hustle for all your most stylish, most comfortable, officially licensed K-State apparel. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company. Get you a couple pints and take a four-pack to go the next time you're in Manhattan. And again, check out their Oktoberfest celebration downtown Manhattan on Thursday if you guys are listening to this on release day. Check out our friends at the 1012 Network. If you're listening to this on release day, 7 p.m., we will be going live on Spotify Green Room, and we're going to have to change around our usual topic list because I want to hear all the Bonehead's thoughts on the brand-new K-State White Flag Willie, Flag Willie logo in the white britches coming back. White britches coming back. I can't wait to talk to you guys, and I can't wait to keep it going on. You'll get to listen to that live show in your RSS feed on Friday, and Thursday you'll hear the Whip Around show where we will get our K-State primers, our Tulane primer, our Big 12 Game of the Week preview, and the Wildcat Roundup. So for my co-host, the great and honorable Chauncey Bosco, for every single person who is going to be rocking Purple this Saturday or Lavender, we love you and go Cats. Hey. fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors we will ever be. A-fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight UK State Wildcats. da the Network